always fun to be at your home church. Linda and I have been here at Springbrook for 12 years. I can't believe it's gone by so quick, but you sometimes forget or don't know the connections that we have. Uh, this church belongs to a movement called Converge Worldwide. We have 1,100 churches in America and probably 10 times as many across the seas, but we want to be able to plant 351 churches at least in the next couple of years, and we're on track to be able to do that. 130 missionaries on some 22, 23 missionary fields of our world. We're so grateful that God has given us all that ability and resources to be able to do that. If Jerry Shevland, our president, was here, he's not. Lou Petrie is. I've often told you he's smarter, but I'm way better looking. And uh, you can uh, you can email him that and tell him he'll say Lou Petrie's there. But if Jerry were here, he'd say thank you because Springbrook has a critical partnership in that whole business. We support many of the missions uh, that go on with Converge Worldwide, and we're so grateful. In your bulletins, a little bulletin insert that I wrote uh, that uh, projects the things that I do in my ministry with the Converge Cornerstone Fund and providing the money that we need to be able to build buildings all across the country, and, and uh, Springbrook has borrowed money from the Cornerstone Fund, and, and we're grateful for that, and we can see the results of the, the faithfulness of God's people investing in Cornerstone so we can lend that money out again. When Dan asked me to preach, he gave me the, the portion of Scripture in Matthew 14 and learning from the life of Jesus uh, uh, to be able to uh, understand that God does meet our needs. And as I, in preparation for a new message, I was laying in bed one night and God gave me the idea of Proverbs. Uh, there's all these great English Proverbs that uh, you and I are about. And uh, we've learned them, I'm sure, and I'm going to give you a little test. I'm going to say the first part. You're going to say the second part. A bird in the hand is worth... No, that, was, that wasn't bad. The other two services, they were terrible. Yeah, two in the bush. A bird in the hand is two in the bush. Just yell it out if you know it. Here's the second one. A fool and his money are soon... There you go. A friend in need is a friend. Yeah. A stitch in time saves... Yeah, somebody come to me after the service and tell me what that means. I don't have a clue, uh, but there it is. It's a proverb that we learned in school. Actions speak louder. Yeah, all good things must come to an end. It never rains, but it... Yeah, and then I, when I started to think about some of these proverbs, I went to a little book. I found a story in there where a teacher said to her class, we're going to learn proverbs. I'm going to say the first part. You're going to write down the second part. And so this was the answers that she got to her little quiz. It's always darkest before daylight savings time. Never underestimate the power of termites. Don't bite the hand that looks dirty. <laughs> if you lie down with dogs... You'll stink in the morning. An idle mind is the best way to relax. A penny saved is not much. <laughs> Two's company, three's the musketeers. Children should be seen and not spanked or grounded. <laughs> if at first you don't succeed, get new batteries. <laughs> and then this is my favorite one. When the blind leadeth the blind, get out of the way. <laughs> Laugh and the whole world laughs with you. 
cry and you have to blow your nose. <laughs> uh, they didn't pass the test, I'm sure. Uh, and then, as I thought about the passage that uh, we were given, it's the only miracle in the Bible that is recorded in all four Gospels. And each of the Gospel writers thought it was important enough to have this sign of who Jesus really was uh, included in Matthew 14, in Luke, in Mark. But in the Gospel of John, there's a little portion that isn't included in the other Gospels. This is what it says. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Jesus, therefore, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a great multitude was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread that these may eat? And he, and this Jesus was saying, to test Philip, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. So there was some aspect of a test in the feeding of the 5,000. And uh, in Matthew chapter 14, beginning at verse 13, let me read for you the account out of Matthew. Now when Jesus heard it, he withdrew from there in a boat to a lonely place by himself. When the multitudes heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. And he went ashore, he saw a great multitude and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. And when it was evening, the disciples came to him saying, the place is desolate, and the time is already past. So send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And then they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. And ordering the multitudes to recline on the grass, he took the five loaves, and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food, and breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve full baskets. And there were about five thousand men who ate, aside from women and children. Lord, we pray this morning that you might Speak to us out of your word clearly. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you might reveal to us these tests that should encourage us in our discipleship this morning. Now, Lord, speak to us. Help us to listen and to see who you really are and your call in our lives. Now, Lord, bless our time together. Multiply a blessing to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It seems strange to me that disciples would follow Jesus from place to place. They'd go out onto the sea. They'd see Jesus heal the blind and the deaf and the dumb. All of the things that he did in, in his ministry upon this earth. And yet the disciples at this point and at this time did not still understand who Jesus really was. What he could accomplish in terms of their lives and ministry. And in this passage, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, we have five tests that you and I can learn from this morning. Little things, uh, things that are right there out of the text that you and I get to think about this morning and allow it to impact our hearts and our lives. And uh, the first one is this. There's the test of compassion. He saw a great multitude and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. 
The, the Bible says that Jesus had compassion for all of these people. Linda and I have had the privilege of being in Israel to be at the place where maybe Jesus uh, did do the miracle uh, on the sides of the hill in Galilee. It's a beautiful meadow. It comes down into a natural amphitheater. And there he would have sat and maybe taught them the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed, blessed, blessed. You remember that out of Matthew chapter 5. And multiply those blessings in their hearing. But the Bible also says that Jesus, out of his guts, not his heart, not his mind, but this Greek word for compassion is a word that emanates from the guts. He looked and he saw all of the needy people. Uh, I I feel sorry for my daughter, Lindsay. Uh, I, and I call her Lindsay. She's Dr. Lindsay Petrie, the optometrist. And uh, I don't know how many times maybe in past years she's heard me preach out of this passage. And, and I probably said, uh, when Jesus looked out at the people there, he saw people with eye problems. And one out of every three men in this group would have had some kind of eye disease. Uh, they didn't have sunglasses like we have today. Uh, the dirt and the filth, the sunlight, the heat, all of those things gathered together in the eyes. And they had diseases, cataracts and loss of vision. There would have been people there that would have couldn't even seen Jesus and maybe have heard him. And they were people that needed the compassion of God. And so the Bible says Jesus had compassion. But Jesus also had issues in his life. Uh, you see it not in this passage, but just before it. John the Baptist beheaded uh, by that wicked king Herod. And the Bible says when Jesus heard it, he continued on his ministry. But he must have had compassion for the family of John, his, his very cousin from Elizabeth and Zacharias. Uh, and then when he looks out and he sees his disciples and all of these people, and then all of a sudden there's a need for food. And uh, he says, he says uh, what do you got? <laughs> and uh, he had compassion. He cared for the multitudes. <laughs> I often wonder what our capacity is for compassion in our own lives. <laughs> uh, just again, I was reminded this last week of, of all the young women and children in our world that are slaves of one kind or another. I don't know how you can't have compassion for something like that. Six billion people in our world, and yet there's still the issue of slavery that we don't seem to be able to overcome. And then, what about people that are hungry in our world? I've been to Korea. I've heard the South Koreans cry out to God to help their brethren in the North. People that are starving for food and for spiritual reality. And you wonder, who's going to answer that prayer? Who's God going to raise up to be able to provide food for the people that are hungry in this world? And to have that kind of compassion. It's right here in the Scriptures. King Jesus was full of compassion. He met these people at the point of their need. And the proverb that goes along with this, God must love the poor. He made so many of them. <laughs> And you might be here this morning and, and poor in spirit and maybe not having a job or your house was taken from you. And who's going to reach out and help? And I want to tell you this morning that God cares, doesn't he? 
He cares for you and for me. He cared so much that He was willing to give His only Son to die upon the cross of Calvary that you and I might have the gift of eternal life. He cares. God cares. And we know that by the Scriptures to be able to do what it is that God has done for us to take the message of the good news. But not just the test of compassion, but the second test is this, the test of capacity. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. Five loaves and two fish. All the disciples could find was five loaves and two fish. And the Bible tells us that it wasn't even theirs in the first place. I could just see it. A little kid in the crowd with that little bag lunch that his mama packed for him. And the big old disciples come along and said, give us that. The master needs it. They would have cajoled him and conned him out of their lunch, out of his lunch. And they took it from that little boy and the capacity to be able to, to come and, and beg God uh, for something that they could give to the master so that something could happen and I'm sure they didn't know what uh, if we did the mathematics we'd say right away this ain't gonna work uh, a few pieces of fish and a little bit of bread how's this gonna work and and uh, when you look up there in the slide for a minute let's do the math and then five loaves plus two fishes divided among five thousand people equals a lot of hungry disappointed people if it was you and me that was doing it brethren listen it wouldn't have worked there's no way that we could have fed those people. But brethren, it wasn't us that was doing it. It was God. God has the capacity. Jesus was the one that said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And it doesn't matter what all of the problems and troubles and tribulations represented in this congregation this morning. God has the ability to meet them because He's the one that is in control of life. You and I have the opportunity to open up our lives and our hearts and allow Him to fill us uh, so that he might receive the honor, the praise, and the glory. I believe it, and I know you do too. And the parable is this, little is much when God is in it. Uh, uh, when you bring a little bit to God, he can multiply it and use it for his glory. Somebody say amen. Yeah, pre preaching to white people mostly, you got to tell them where to say amen. Uh, 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 uh. And when you feel a sermon coming on, you hope there's a few, uh, a few uh, amens out there. And uh, little is much when God is in it, but there's a lot of disappointment in life. But then there's the test of confidence, the test of confidence. And Jesus said, bring them here to me. He didn't say bring the people to me. No, no, they were there. He said, bring that little bit of lunch. Bring the resources that you have. Bring them to me. And what does the Bible say? Jesus took it, He lifted it up to heaven, He asked the Heavenly Father to bless it, and then He broke it, and He gave it back. And uh, to have that kind of confidence this morning, that you and I can take whatever it is that we have, whatever we're facing, whatever we don't have, and give it to God. Let God do something wonderful with it. Here's the focus. Jesus is the Creator. He can and will meet our needs if we're willing to entrust to Him our particular situation and this morning God wants us to open our hearts and to let him have the glory I can remember it's with me every day of my life as a little boy I was born in 1950 in Galt Ontario Canada you know some of the story daddy abandoned us and then one time he 
waited till Mama died and came back and kidnapped my brother and I. Daddy was an alcoholic. Oh yeah, he'd have a job once in a while, but then he'd lose the job, and many a time we had no food in the house. And all I owned was a little red wagon. <laughs> and I'd take that little red wagon, and I'd go down the street, and I'd start knocking on the doors. And the lady would come to the door, and I'd beg her for bread. And then I'd go to the next door, and I'd beg them for food so that my sister and brothers could eat. And then I got to the House of Friendship. I always remembered that name. It was Mennonite people, religious people. <laughs> and the women would come with cans of beans and peaches, and they'd put them on my wagon, and I'd take them home, and I'd feed the kids. Daddy couldn't. He was incapacitated. And then... Some days that week, I'd take the little red wagon and I'd go to my favorite spot. I'd go to the donut shop. <laughs> and the lady would see me come at eight years old and she said, Louie, I got, I got some day-old donuts you could have. And I took the donuts. And then we'd go off to school and there'd be nothing in our sack. And oftentimes, I'd go to school and there'd be no food. And those German kids from Germany after the Second World War, immigrants that came to, this, to Canada and the United States and there in our town, We'd go to school, and at lunchtime, they'd open the cans. There'd be suit like, like a jam can, and their sandwiches would be in there. And I'd look at those, and I had none, and every once in a while, one of those German kids would reach out and give me a sandwich. And they were made of lard. <laughs> we don't even eat lard anymore in this country, do we? Maybe one or two of you do. <laughs> I love the stuff. <laughs> Better than butter. And I always wonder why God did that for me. And then one day the school class was going to go to Niagara Falls. And I knew I wasn't going. Because I didn't have the 75 cents and I didn't have the bag lunch. And at about 20 to 4 on that school day, the next day they were going, Sister Gemma the nun. She came over to my desk and she took a little bag lunch and she put it on my desk and then she opened my hand and she pressed into my hand 75 cents. <laughs> when I get to heaven, I'm going to go see Jesus, aren't you? <laughs> I'm going to thank Jesus for everything that he has done for me. And then I'm going to go see Sister Gemma. She's got to be there. And when I'm going to get there, I'm going to thank her for that 75 cents. She looked down at a little boy. And she thought I was worth 75 cents in a bag lunch. And I'm going to thank her because she was the first woman that in my life I saw Jesus in. <laughs> to have compassion. She had compassion. The German kids had compassion. The people at the House of Friendship had compassion on a little boy. And brethren, listen to me. We need to have that kind of compassion. But more than that, we need to have capacity. And the only capacity that Jesus had that day was the lunch of a little boy. And what was he going to do? With that little few pieces of fish and bread, he took it and broke it and thanked God, and then he separated. And then if you look up on the screen, John Piper, the great pastor of Bethlehem Baptist Church in St. Paul, Minnesota, he says, don't do the math. Ask God to do the miracle. God is in the business of doing miracles. He has the capacity. He has the compassion. 
He's the one that wants to meet your need this morning. He was the one who died upon the cross of Calvary. He's the one that said, I am the bread of life. He who eats of me shall never die. And we have the opportunity this morning to allow him to have the glory and the honor and the praise because God is never more worshipped but then we take our resources, our capacity, and offer them up to him for his use in meeting the needs of other people. To be able to reach out in his name, to do what it is that God has called us to do. And there was Jesus. He was testing them. (laughs) And he wanted them to know who he really was and is this morning. He's testing us. And are we willing to say, yes, Lord Jesus, do some miracle in my life so that I can go and bless someone else. The test of compassion, the test of capacity, but then there's the test of confidence. Here it is. Uh, Jesus says very clearly, bring them here to me. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of grace. And, uh, from the mouth of God. And then we see the test of caring. And there it is very clearly in the Scriptures. And the disciples gave to the multitudes and they all ate and were satisfied. We do care. We will help. We will be satisfied. God helps those who? Helps themselves. And we have an opportunity to help the world. You know, you're probably asking me, Pastor Lou, why do you come to this church? Why do I come to Springbrook for the 12 years? Brethren, listen to me now. You know why I come here? Because we have a pastor that cares. Dan and Lori Harrison care for the people. Every single person that comes into this place is cared for. The leaders of this church care for everybody that comes into this church. Over 12 years, I've heard more stories of caring that come out of Springbrook Community Church than almost any other church I've ever been a part of. That God uses the people here to reach out to the community to be able to to take the grace of God as a gift. And the Bible says, for you've been saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And what Jesus was doing that day on the mount was making a great gift of God's grace. How many people? I don't know. 5,000, 10,000. I once heard the story and here was I, raised a Catholic. I was an altar boy in the church. And when I heard this story, I thought it was kind of cute. Uh, the priest was praying, a, uh, preaching a message on, on um, Matthew chapter 14, the feeding of the 5,000. And when he got to the place where he was talking about the 5,000, he mistakenly said 500. The little altar boy, after the service, brought it to the priest's attention that you said 500 instead of 5,000, like the Scripture says it. The priest says, never mind, boy. Those people had trouble believing 500, never mind 5,000. <laughs> but brethren, listen to me. It doesn't matter if it's 5,000 or 50,000 or 5 million or 5 trillion. God is able to meet the need because he cares for you. The Bible says, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. What is your need this morning? What is the issue in your life that no one else can meet except God? Cast it to him. His grace is always enough, isn't it? His grace is always sufficient for you and for me. The Bible says that clearly. 
that His grace is sufficient. Is it sufficient for you? This, this morning, in the early service, I had a man come up to me here in the front with tears in his eyes. This is what he said to me. He said, Dr. Lou, I forgot that God loves me and that I can come back. <laughs> and I thought to myself, how many people in that crowd that day by the lake that were searching for God and asking God to do a miracle and how many of them realized that it was God that could do it. It was God that cared for them. It was God that gave His very life on the cross so that they might have the opportunity to worship Him and to glorify Him. This morning you may be way far away from God and you're not feeding off of His Word. And you're not allowing Him to be the nourishment for your life. This morning could be the morning that you open up your heart and let Him come in. And even if you've wandered far away, you can come back this morning. And come back to the seashore and allow Jesus be Lord and Christ of your life. And then that leads us to the fifth point. The test, and I like this one the best, the test of the cleanup. <laughs> And they picked up what was left over, the broken pieces, 12 full baskets, and there were about 5,000 men who ate aside from women and children. Sometimes I think people in the Christian life think all I get is the leftovers. Don't believe it. God is not in the business of giving leftovers. God uses the leftovers to show that every person's need was met. Isn't that true, brother? That every single person had their need met. And you might feel this morning like I did as a little boy that nobody cared for me and that I was left out. I'm so glad there's a God in heaven that believes in giving His best for you and for that every single person has the opportunity to come into that relationship with God and allow God's very best to happen. Do you hear me now, church? But the reason why is so that in the overflow, you might share with somebody else. In the overflow, you might be able to share God's grace with somebody else. In the overflow, that someone might say, well, once I was hungry... And once I was thirsty, and God gave me to eat and to drink. If you're in that place this morning, don't leave this place this morning. But that you don't go and the overseers are willing to pray with you in the overflow room, in the prayer room down the hall here. I'm up here at the front. I'll be happy to speak with you. Linda and I, my wife Linda, and I had a great week this week. <laughs> Last Saturday morning from Florida came my oldest girl, Erin, and uh, she brought with her her fiancé. <laughs> He's a, you know what he is? He's a cracker. <laughs> born in Florida. Born and raised in Florida. I say that with love. He's also a fisherman. And when I went fishing with him down in Florida, he took the Jesus net. You know what I'm talking about? And he threw the Jesus net out in the water and he caught all this bait. And then he brought the bait back and he hooked, the, hooked up a hook and threw it and gave me the pole. 
Now listen to me. I felt like I was in the presence of Jesus. I caught more fish in 15 minutes than I caught in my whole lifetime. This guy knows how to fish. And I'm hoping and praying that Aaron holds on to him and they get married in March. I hope they get to March. <laughs> and then he wanted to see Chicago. So he went all the way down to Lincoln Park Zoo. Have you been there? Lincoln Park Zoo, all of you? If you haven't been there, shame on you. You need to go. Because there at the Lincoln Park Zoo, he came back and I said, I know this is the guy I, I want to marry my daughter. You know what he said to me? He said, oh, Dr. Lou, he said, Lincoln Park Zoo, the gorilla exhibit. It's unbelievable. And I go to the Lincoln Park Zoo. I'll sit in front of the gorillas all day. I think those guys are great. <laughs> and then they walked all the way back from the Lincoln Park Zoo down to the Big Bean, the Millennium Park. And there on the way, they stopped at the Museum of Art. And as soon as he said it, a flood of emotion came over me. 25 years ago, we as a family went down to that museum. We didn't have much in those days, and Linda packed a lunch. The three girls and Linda and I sat on the wall at the museum. And as we were getting ready to eat our sandwiches, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a bag lady coming down the street. She was going into the garbage, and she was digging through the garbage, and she was trying to get something to eat. And we all looked at her, and then little Aaron turned to her mama and said, Mama, can I share my lunch with that lady? And I didn't know if I wanted my Aaron to go over to that lady. She looked pretty rough and tough. And Aaron, before I knew it, jumped off the wall at eight or nine years old and walked down the street and said to the woman, Would you like to share my lunch? And I watched them go over to the wall. And as they took the sandwiches out, Aaron said to the woman, Can we pray? And Aaron thanked God for that flute and for that woman. And, and I thought maybe the woman was going to take the sandwich and eat it all. But she didn't do that. She took the sandwich and she shared with my daughter. <laughs> and I thought to myself, that's the gospel message. To be able to take what God has blessed us with and to share it with someone else. To be able to have the capacity and the confidence to be able to know that God is able to do anything in your life and in my life. If only, if only we'll know that it is enough. That God has done everything for us. And that all we have to do is share with others the truth of who He is really is. Do we pass the test this morning? Do we know that God loves us so much that He was willing to give His only beloved Son so that you and I might have an opportunity to represent Him? If you're here this morning and you've never opened up your heart to Christ, this morning, this is the morning. To hear God in this little act of multiplying what He does best. His love and His grace and His goodness. How many of us have heard from Jesus this morning? How many? Yeah, put up your hand. Yeah, look. Brethren, listen to me. With this number of people, we could change the world. We could leave this place and we could say, yes, Lord Jesus, we're here to represent You, to talk about Your love and Your mercy and Your grace. It is enough, isn't it? That when God comes and speaks to us, 
and we respond to his love and mercy. The ushers are going to come forward now. We're going to wait upon you for your tithes and offerings. Wouldn't it be great if whatever we gave this morning, God would multiply it <laughs> and thousands would come to know him? He can do it. He can do it this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for speaking to us this morning. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving so much, everything for us. And Lord, we pray that we might pass the test, that we might have your compassion and your confidence, that we might have the capacity, that we might care for people. And Lord, at the last day, that we might see people in heaven because we were willing to give. Lord, we thank you so much that you gave for us. Now, Lord, we cast all our care upon you, knowing that you care for us. And now, Lord, we know that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for your mercy and grace. We thank you for this offering. In Jesus' name, amen.